0: Exodus chapter 2. We'll be spending our time in verses 16 through 25. Exodus chapter 2, verses 16 through 25. If you don't have a Bible, we have some Bibles in the seat backs. Uh, You can use those, follow along. We'll have a couple of other scripture references to uh, check out as well. uh, If you're taking notes, the title of our message is The Immutable God. Subtitle would be The Unchanging God of an Ever Changing People. Now you may ask yourself, what does immutable mean? It means not mutable. <laughs> right? Which would lead to the next question well, what does mutable mean? Mutable means something that is liable or subject to change. Therefore, inside or outside forces and circumstances can bring about change. Um, in something that is mutable. So what we see in creation, everything we see in creation is mutable. Objects can be heated up, they can be cooled down, things can be built up or torn down. If I was to take the, the idea of being mutable in myself, I would tell you that I used to be able to leap tall buildings with a single bound, I was faster than a speeding bullet and more powerful than a locomotive think that was me. Uh, but then I hit 30 and, and all of it changed. But seriously, though, like everything created in this life is, is liable or subject to change. It's, it's all mutable. Our jobs, our children, uh, circumstances, what makes us happy, what makes us sad, all of these things are mutable. But God, God is immutable. He is not liable or subject to to change. Scripture tells us in James 1:17 that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That phrase shadow due to change means a, a shifting shadow. There's there's no wishy-washiness in God. There's no some timiness in God. He isn't going to be This loving God sometimes and this other God other times, there's no change in God. God is who he is. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. So seeing the immutability of God and how he is not like us, right? We are mutable. He is immutable. This is a beautiful thing. It really is a beautiful thing. If we think about how quickly we get upset when things don't go our way or when we've been treated unfairly, this is a pretty good example of the, how fickle we are, how quickly our mood can change. Uh, but God is not like us, and that's a, that's a wonderful thing. God, the Savior of us, he is the one who is immutably patient, immutably kind, long-suffering, consistent, and loving. Once again, his love for us is not liable or subject to change. His patience with us is is not liable or subject to change so as we we'll, uh, excuse me as we look at our passage today we're going to see this immutable God it uh, for Moses and in the life of the Israelites. We'll see whether we run in fear or in bondage to it God is unchanging and his faithfulness endures forever so that is our, our sermon summary today this is something the pastor's been doing for a while and I'm trying to get on board to help me Uh, laser-focused my sermons. Uh, Our sermon summary is this, as we just said, whether we run in fear or are in bondage to it, God is unchanging and his faithfulness endures forever. We're going to read a couple verses back for context uh, as as we read our passage for today in Exodus chapter 2. Our passage is 16 through 25, but we're going to start in verse 11. So if you will turn with me there, we'll read it. Exodus chapter 2, verses 11 through 25. It says, One day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Now the priest of Midian had seven daughters, and they came and drew water and filled the troughs to water their father's flock. The shepherds came and drove them away, but Moses stood up and saved them and watered their flock. When they came home to their father, Reuel, he said, How is it that you have come home so soon today? They said, An Egyptian delivered us out of the hand of the shepherds and even drew water for us and watered uh, watered the flock. He said to his daughters, Then where is he? Why have you left the man? Call him that he may eat bread. And Moses was content to dwell with the man, and he gave Moses his daughter Zipporah. She gave birth to a son, and he called his name Gershom, for he said, I have been a sojourner in a foreign land. During those many days, the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel, and God knew. Let us pray for God to bless his word and the proclamation of it. Dear only Father, we thank you so much, Lord, for who you are and all that you have done. We sing these songs of praise to you to remind us of how good you are. Uh, we pray to you to help us realign with the things that you have called us to. We read your Word so we can be instructed in the things, that, in the ways we should go. And then we proclaim the good news of your son uh, through the the preaching of your word. God, as we get into this time, as we have prayed over every other facet of of this worship service, we pray, Lord, that your words are heard clearly, that your sheep hear your voice and they follow you. Lord, we are just thankful for this opportunity we have. Uh, Being vessels of honorable use is a noble thing that you have bestowed upon us. Uh, the preaching of your word that was given as a gift to your church is a beautiful example of how you, how we as men are to wash our wives in the water of the word. I, I pray, Lord, that we are able to do that today, that your word is proclaimed faithfully. Uh, Lord, where I, I fall short in doing this, I pray that those words fall by the wayside. But where, where your word rings true, that your people are encouraged, that they're, they're, they're matured in their faith. Uh, that, that they see how wonderful of a God you are. Lord, through the foolish, foolishness of man, you have, you have uh, shamed the wise, you have uh, made yourself known, and, and I just pray, Lord, that through my foolishness, that this is done today, that we are humbled, that we are built back up in the instruction and admonition that you have given, uh, that we leave here uh, with a stronger desire to seek you in your word and to do good to your people. This is our prayer today, and we ask for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to look at first is verses 16 through 22. We're going to kind of look at the life of Moses and and his fleeing uh, from, from Egypt to Midian. So we would ask ourselves, what's going on here? Well, once again, Moses, fearing death, flees to the land of Midian. Why is he in fear of his life? Well, he sees the rough treatment of his people in verses 11 through 15, uh, and, and then he acts on that. He, he sought to bring forth justice in, a, in an unjust situation. Now, Moses was right in wanting to see justice, uh, but where he fell short was the intent of his heart. In verse 12, it says that he looked this way and that, and then he performed this deed. And then after he did it, he buried the guy in the sand. So what we see is the intent of his heart was off. There was this desire to see justice, but he wanted to take that into his own hands. He went from being a witness to a crime to being the one who was actually committing the crime. So Moses, excuse me, murdered this man for beating another man. And when it came time for him to receive the justice that he deserved for beating, or for, excuse me, for murdering this man, he, he booked it. He was out of there. He's like, no, I'm not going to receive the justice that I deserve, even though I took this justice into my own hands that, that uh, I believe that this other man uh, deserved. So we, we see this, this change in Moses, right? There was this desire to see justice, but then we see this injustice style of, of uh, execution uh, by his hands. So, for all the, the great things that Moses would do later in his life, he made some horrible decisions that showed his desperate need for someone greater, for a, a savior that was not like him, someone who is not liable or subject to change. This man, Moses, is just like us. He's mutable. His circumstances weren't what he would have liked. Uh, he, he committed this crime, he saw what was due to him, and he left. And that's similar to what we do in our lives. When things don't go the way that we think they should go, when we're in tough situations, when we are not happy with the way our life is going, we tend to do the same thing. We want, we want to leave. We want to flee from, from the, the situation that we're in. We tend to tell ourselves that I would be so much happier uh, that I, I I wouldn't be so down on myself, I wouldn't be so angry, or I wouldn't be so fearful, I wouldn't be so fill in the blank if if this just wasn't the way that it was. When we ask those, or when we say those things, ultimately what we are saying is that if I didn't have this distraction, if I didn't have this pain, if I didn't have this suffering in my life, I wouldn't be sinning so much. The reason I say that is because if these things, these, these suffering, this pain leads us to sin is because it was already in us to begin with. Circumstances can't change who we are in the fact that there's something that's deep within us that's bringing about that change. Amen? Is that true, right? That's true. We, it, when, we're, when we're hungry, we get hangry, right? If, if there was no anger within us, anger wouldn't come out, right? If, if there was no jealousy if we, if we were never jealous, if we were never fearful, if none of these things ever happened, it was because they weren't in us, but they come out when we become squished and pressed and, and, and we go through suffering, when we go through pain, when our circumstances make us uncomfortable. These things are brought to light. I would say for us, I brought this up last week, but when we were battling through the flu as a family, we... Uh, that first week was, was wonderful for me because I got to serve my family and, and I got to show Devin, hey, look, you, you know, you're, you take care of this house day in and day out. Let me do this for a little bit. Let me, just, let me just have this time. Let me show you that I can do it. And I did it for a little while. Um, but then, you know, I was keeping everything sanitized, everything cleaned. I was doing everything in my power to prevent my son from getting sick because Lily and Devin were the ones that had the flu. But come Saturday, a week into it, after they were diagnosed with it, Oliver starts running the fever, he starts having a runny nose, and I'm like, no, no. So we go to the hospital, we go to, to Driscoll's on Saturday, and sure enough, he tests positive for the flu, and uh, it was like my my world crumbled. I was like, man, I've done everything that I could do to to save my son from this sickness because I hate seeing him sick. Not that I enjoy seeing anyone else sick, but... Like my daughter and my wife, are they're tough, man. When they get sick, it's, you know, its you really can't tell. Uh, but my son, he is very uh, expressional, or express, he's an expressionist, right? He shows the way he feels. So when he's sick, everybody knows it. When he's angry, everybody knows it. Uh, he wears his heart on his sleeve, right? That's who he is. So when he's in pain, we know it, and it, it hurts. It doesn't feel good. And so, the, you know, when we, I get him, I'm walking him out of the hospital. They did the swab in his nose, and he screamed, and, it was just it was a terrible experience. I, I was I was defeated. I was bitter. I got angry. You know, everything in me was like, God, why why did he get it this time? Like I I did everything I could to to stop this. Uh but what I would come to, to realize, uh well I ended up getting the flu as well, but uh what I what I would come to realize is in that time, uh when when Devin was sick, I was able to serve her and that that was able to uh grow her uh spiritually she she was able to she was humbled in that time and then in spite of my best efforts I was humbled as well because both of us need to rely on God and everything that he has done for us and and God used that to grow us both to to humble us both and it, it made you know Romans 128 that much more real for us God used all things for our good even my son's pain and his sickness you know, people blessed us with meals through prayer, and Christ was was glorified. Ultimately, I I can't look back on that situation and say it was it was in vain, or I wish it would have changed, because God was glorified in that time. God was faithful. Ultimately, is is what I can say. God was faithful to us. So, brothers and sisters, I, I say that, and I, I kind of go kind of mention these things because. You know, we, we tend to get beat up by life, we get in fear, we become in bondage, so we want to run from our troubles. But God did not give us a, a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and sound mind. Now what that means is with Christ as our strength, not as a genie in a bottle, but the one who we rely on, we are more than conquerors. Because he conquered sin, death, and the grave on the cross, and all who call upon his name will be saved. It's Beautiful, beautiful truth that we have. So going back to Moses, he fled to this land of Midian. And what happens? It's, it's, this is a, a great picture of God's grace in his life. Once, you know, Moses once again stands up for those being treated unfairly, right? The daughters of Reuel. Uh, they were beaten, being untreated, treated unfairly by the shepherds. Uh, he drives these guys off. He doesn't murder anyone this time, right? He, he's probably learning that that's probably not your best bet, right? Not to pull, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. He's actually assessing the situation. Uh, but he's invited into the house of Reuel. Um, he, he's given a place to stay, and he's given a wife. He, he's given the things that he needs in life, right? He's given shelter, food, and and a, and a, and a woman, right? I mean, uh, Probably sounds terrible, but he's given his helpmate, right? <laughs> he's given his helpmate, <laughs> the, hel- the helper that's suitable for him. <laughs> well, she's a woman, right? She's a woman, Proverbs 31 woman, that's what I meant. Uh, <laughs> but he's given all these things, right? In spite of him being a murderer, right, God has blessed him. God has been faithful to him in spite of what he did, in spite of what he ran from. He never answered for that crime that he committed. Right? He went and He murdered someone. Someone lost their life because of Moses. He fled. And what happened? He gets blessed with a wife. Uh, he gets blessed with a house, with, with family, with a new family, right? A home away from home, a child, right? And th- that's, that's what he gets. I mean, you know, we tend to think, well, there's, there's consequences, right? You do these bad things, bad things are going to happen. Doesn't always happen that way. Uh, and, and, and that's the crazy thing. I, I think about myself when I see Moses. I can't, I can't tell you how many times I've done wicked things. I've never murdered anyone uh, physically, but in my heart, I've had hatred towards people. And and before God, it's the same thing. Uh, But many times I have sinned in a a grievous way. And then God blesses me in some other way that none of his blessings are deserved. But I, I can't comprehend why he would do that for me. Like, why, God, why, in spite of what I've done, these I'm this mutable person, right, this fallible, feeble, weak, angry person, and then you bless me. You still bless me in spite of of who I am. God does that to show us just how great he is, right? He doesn't change. We're the ones that are changing, and in spite of what we do, if God has called us to him, he has promised good to us, right? He has promised good to his people, and this is, it's a wonderful truth, Moses is a murderer, right? I mean, think about that. He's a, he literally murdered someone, and God is blessing his life in spite of what he deserved. Amen. Right? Amen. First John one nine says this, and and I believe this is the verse that that one of the many verses that shows us the immutability of God. He's not subject to change. He's not, you know, well if if you do this, then I'll do that. There's not this hierarchy or this standard that he set uh, for how he will forgive us, First John 1 John 1.9 says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, right? That, that's, an, that's what an immutable God can do. There's people that I know in this life I'll probably never truly forgive for what they've done to me, right? I, I think there's people that we can think about like that. That If if we're being honest with ourselves, will we truly forgive them? But God tells us if we confess our sins, murderous sins, adulterous sins, gossip sins, gluttonous sins, if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful, right? He is the one that doesn't change. He is faithful to himself, which means he is, by extension, faithful to us. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That means that we are to repent. We are to turn from our own ways. We are to believe the good news of Jesus Christ, that you can have forgiveness from your sins. Now, what a blessing for God to not keep Moses on the run his entire life, but to bless him with shelter, a home, and his, his helpmates. It's, it's beautiful to see God as immutable, this immutable God that we serve. He is faithful. He is long-suffering. He is a God that shows steadfast love to his people. He is patient. He is truly patient with us. Patience is only seen in, in the face of adversity. right? Some of us tend to think people are patient, but if you test them the right way, that patience is short. God doesn't have a short fuse. right? If he is patient, he truly is. God is not liable or subject to change. And the plan that he ordained, he had set up a plan for Moses. In spite of all the things that he would do, that plan would come to pass. In spite of us being these ever-changing, feeble, weak, sinful people. Now, though Moses would run in fear, not in faith, the unchanging faithfulness of God, of, of the God that he served, would endure forever. God's love is enduring. It endures our Mess-ups, everything that we do uh, to try to thwart the plan of God. His will will be done. So we have an example of of God's faithfulness to someone specifically who flees out of fear. Uh, But what about those who are frozen by fear, those who are in bondage to their fear? Well, we see an example of that in verses 23 through 25. Let's reread those verses and see how God does this for his people on the whole. It says, during those many days, the king of Egypt died and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God and God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. Now, there's a couple of words that I stressed in there and I think that that stand out. Uh, and and that, that should that should really take notice. We see the words groaned and cried out, heard, remembered, saw and knew. Now these words for for groaned or groaning, these are more like a a, a sigh of discomfort, being downtrodden or being defeated. But this progressed past the point of discomfort and turned into a desperate plea of a people having nowhere else to run. The word used here for to cry out would be similar to the desperate pleas of a frantic parent who lost their child in a large group, and they're desperately searching for them. There is this helplessness, right? If if you see this in a movie or if you've ever seen anyone in real life, there's this helplessness in their eyes, uh, but there's also a hope that someone, someone could possibly help them in their time of need. This is how we cry out to God. The God who delivered their forefathers of the Israelites during their time of famine hundreds of years before. This is the way that we should cry out to God. I believe it's really important for us to, to spend a little time there to see the, the desperation and the pleas of the people of, of Israel. Now, when we come to faith and, and repent of our sins, we are not simply sad or or remorseful uh, for the mistakes that we've made but that we were in bondage to sin and owed a debt that we could not pay that's that's the understanding of the weight of sin that we have it's not well I'm I messed up in my life and you know God knows my heart you know and and I'm gonna call out because the word says you know all who call upon his name will be saved right so I'm gonna do that I'm gonna pray this prayer and everything's gonna be good that's not what the Bible was referring to when it talks about um, calling out upon the name of the Lord. It's this desperate plea, "I have sinned against a holy God. I owe Him my life. Uh, there is this debt that I cannot pay, that I cannot pay. Can someone please help me? Cry out to God, have mercy on me, the sinner." That is the, 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 the spirit of someone who is truly remorseful, who is truly repentant of their sins. Now, when we cry out to him with this understanding that we rightly deserve death, that we are these, per- these people that, that deserve the punishment that is owed to us, but we have not been given that, when we understand these things, that we rightly deserve this, and the bondage that we put ourselves in, right? Scripture says that when we sin, we, we are slaves of sin. Those who sin are slaves of sin. We put ourselves in this bondage. Uh, when we understand that about ourselves, we are helplessly seeking someone to help us. Now that someone, the only one that can help us, is Christ Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Listen to this. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let me read that again. I don't think you heard me the first time. Christ Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, endured the punishment for our sin, despising the shame. And is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. That's a a beautiful, beautiful passage of scripture for us to see what God did for his people. God was willing to endure his own wrath to pay for the sins that we committed. God is faithful. Amen. Thank you, Lord. He is immutable. He is not liable or subject to change. God did not come to earth, see the sinfulness of his people and say, you know what? They're not worth it. I'm not going to do it anymore. Right. That's not what he said. He said, I see them and they're like sheep without a shepherd. Right. They're lost. They're they're, they're They hate me. They hate me, but I'm going to die for them. I'm going to hang on that cross and they will see the love that, that the, son has, the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father, that the love that I have for my people, that in spite of this shame, in spite of this hostility, I'm going to show you my love. It's going to be on display for the world to see. It is a beautiful, beautiful thing. With that in mind, we are told to not grow weary or lose heart. Why? Because God is faithful. He is not liable or subject To to change. Whether we run in fear or we're running by faith, whether we're frozen by fear or in bondage to it, or we're standing firm in our faith, God remains faithful. We cry, we groan, and God listens. Right as we see in this passage, it says that, that they cried out, they were groaning, God heard, God remembered, God saw, and God knew. In their suffering, God did these things. He, he heard them. He heard their cries. He remembered them. He saw them, and he knew them. Now, you may ask yourself, did, does this mean that God left, and, and they're crying out, and he turned and looked at them, or he forgot his people, or, or, you know, is it saying any of that? No, God promised that he would never leave us nor forsake us, right? So he was there the whole time. They hadn't cried out. There was no reason for him to Respond yet. Now, listen to what Douglas Stewart says. This is a commentary that I've been reading as I've been reading along with this book so far, but this is what he says concerning God's response to his people in their time of need. It says, God was initiating the process of deliverance, and the circumstances of both Moses and Israel were about to change. The issue here is not whether or how people suffer. The issue is, does suffering go unnoticed? If it does not, and indeed the one doing the noticing is the true, omnipotent, and loving covenant God, his people can properly surmise that their suffering may well be part of a plan. That is a suffering with a distinct beginning and an end. A hardship understood by and watched over by a sovereign king who will not let it continue without good purpose and result. That is a a beautiful thing. In the midst of our trouble, God is there. He is watching over us. He will not let it go one second longer than it has to. Right? It's going to start when he allows it to start, and it's going to end when he calls it to end. We are to cry out to him in the midst of our trials, in the midst of our suffering, in the midst of our pain. And all of it, all of it works out for our good. So as we close, I say this, all who cry out to God can stand firmly on the promises that in our weakness, God is strong. In our instability, he is the rock of ages. He always was, always is, and always will be. Like Moses, like the people of Israel, we tend to be trapped by fear, consumed by fear and sin, and our ever-changing emotions and circumstances. But thanks be to God that whether we run in fear or are in bondage to it, God is unchanging, and his faithfulness endures forever. Though we forget he is God, God remembers his people. All we have to do is cry out, repent and believe in the good news of Jesus Christ, who though he knew no sin, became sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray.